It's a party, party, party like a ninja just got out of jail. Flying in my Rari like a bat that just flew out of hell. I'm from the east of ATL, but balling in the Cali Hills. Little mama booty booming that moving like she's standing still. Ah, shout out to. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Gucci Mane. Shout out to Chris Brown for that. <laughs> uh, and Welcome. To the Jigsaw Podcast. You know, this is the podcast where we talk about the perils, the praises, the productivity, and the pomp and circumstance of being a black millennial. Shoot, a black person in this real world. How y'all doing? I hope that you're doing absolutely amazing. This has been a much better week for me personally. I can attest to it. Um, one thing that I've done, and I'll, um, I guess I'll talk about it now, right? I've begun to think about pockets of joy. And while, you know, we're in a pandemic, we're quarantined, we all have our issues and people are laid off and money is tight and all these different types of things. I've been really been able to look at different things. I feel like God has done to assure me like, Josh, I got your back. And they, some of them have been small. Some of them have been really big and grand gestures, but regardless of what they are and how they've been presented, I definitely appreciate the ways in which God has assured me that he got my back. And I believe anyone who has a faith concept in anything should be able to find ways in which they can find joy um, pockets of joy in the midst of what they're facing in the midst of what they're going through because life can be tumultuous, right? Um, so that's kind of why I started the podcast off singing about, you know, partying. But on the flip side, if you looked at the title, you know, when we're going to link, this is a episode and we're going to get into it a lot more in the living room conversation, but this is an episode where we really talk about the importance of socialization and connecting and networking and being social and fun. It is a really great episode. I have a really great guest. Um, yeah, my boy Theo, Teddy, um, you know, from Morehouse is going to join us on the couch in the virtual living room. It's just going to be a really dope episode. So without further ado, let's get ready and do that now. And let's go into the Blessed Report. Let's get ready and do it, y'all. Yeah. So this week in the Bless Up Report, we are shouting out Brother Eric Moses. He's a seasoned sports executive and venue management leader who has recently been named the president of Nashville Super Speedway. Dover Motorsports, Inc. officials announced this Saturday. Now, Moses is a graduate of the University of North Carolina and Duke University Law School, and he served as the founding president of um, the XFL's DC Defenders. He's the first black man at any NASCAR track to be given this title. Um, in his role, he'll spearhead the renovation of the 1.33 mile concrete track that was built in the early 2000s and um, is scheduled to reopen in June of 2021. Moses said that he is making sure the track is ready to serve the racing community when they bring the circus to town. Uh, I am excited about this. Not only am I excited about a black man leading, I think I've said it before, in some ways, it's kind of unfortunate, but in some ways, it is still very real. In a lot of ways, it's still very real. In a lot of ways, it is still very exciting to know that there are first black 
you know, you fill in the blank that I fill in these positions. And what better way to do that is to have Brother Eric Moses. And just as a personal side, he is the uh, a member of my illustri- illustrious Greek organization, Cap Alpha Sapphire Fraternity Incorporated. So shout out to you, Newt. Um, you are doing great things, embodying what we believe in over there in the land of Kappa, and that is achievement in every field of human endeavor. Thank you, thank you, thank you for representing well. We got your back. We are supporting. I'm sure that you're going to see some noobs uh, who who are going to be at those NASCAR races who typically probably do not engage in that sport. But bless up to you, brother. Bless up to you. Let's get into the billboard. You know, this is our pop culture segment. So this week in the billboard, it would almost be kind of tone deaf for me to not talk about the shooting that happens in Kenosha, Wisconsin. For um, what we understand, the police were called to a domestic violence call and they ended up, you know, long story short, they ended up shooting Jacob Blake in his back seven times while his children were sitting in the car. Um, the unfortunate thing about it is that from what I've heard, now there are a lot of details pending, from what I've heard that he was breaking up um, a domestic violence incident. And from what I was able to see is that he was walking. I don't know if he was walking away out of defiance or whatever it was, but he wasn't running. He was simply just walking. And there were, from the video that I saw, two police officers, I believe, that was walking with him. And when he opened his car and began to get in, they began to shoot him at point blank range seven times in the back. Now, if he was running away or being defiant, like you can say whatever you want or walking away because he was not running. Let me very quickly clarify that. You can say and feel whatever you want to feel about that. At the same time, if you were going to apprehend him, then there were ways in which you could have done because he wasn't running. He wasn't fighting. He wasn't resisting. He wasn't doing anything. So there was ways in which you probably could have apprehended him or just simply cuffed him without shooting this man. And then seven times at point blank range you had every intent to likely kill this black man and this is so draining it is so depleting of joy and i know we just talked about finding and creating pockets of joy right but this is so depleting and so unnecessary and so you you know pick an adjective right that is what it is and so Right now, as things are still developing, now, the beautiful thing about it, the miraculous thing, rather, is that he is in ICU, so he did survive, and that is glorious. And we give all praise to the Father who spared his life, and hopefully, preferably, he'll be able to tell his story and really be able to bring um, clarity to the narrative around this. But you don't even need to know any more intricate details to understand that the police were dead wrong in how they treated and how they navigated this particular situation with Jacob Blake. So we are sending up our prayers to him. It was announced today, I believe, that he is now uh, paralyzed from the waist down because of the shooting. So that is entirely unfortunate. This man has to create and understand and live an entire brand new way of life. And that is not cool at all. So prayers to you, Jacob, to your entire family, and especially to those precious children who are going to have like that image forever embedded in their minds and in their brains. Um, In the same regard, and I kind of don't want to 
you know, I'll get into that in a greater conversation because that's what needs to happen with that. But <laughs> uh, I got I got something for y'all. But in a, in a greater in, a, in, in, in the same regard, rather, the there were no NBA playoff games happening today. There were six teams, three games they were supposed to play. And it started off with the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks um, not showing up, boycotting the game. Um, because of what happened in the state that they represent. And then Houston and OKC decided to join them. And then um, the Lakers and Portland decided to do the same thing. And even Kenny Smith, sports commentator, uh, former NBA player, walked off the set of their show um, because he decided to stand with the players and be in solidarity. So I believe that while I'm not always a fan of performative antics, I do believe that there has to also be other actions. But what I do love about this particular boycott and this particular piece of action is that it kind of hits where the pockets are. Like these games are canceled. So all of those TV slots that were supposed to be shown, those ads, all of that stuff is canceled. Not, like, you know, I don't know what the loss is going to look like, but all of that stuff hurts economically. And it really brings a really great awareness to the communities in general, specifically those who think that, you know, we should they should just stick to sports and to do their own thing. So shout out to those gentlemen, especially in an NBA and a league that is predominantly black and the money in which you make and the entertainment in which you serve is really built on the backs of black of black men. Right. And these are black men who are being sh- you know shot down in the streets. And for any regard, it could have been any one of those gentlemen in front of their children as a father. That is something that really hurts. So shout out to those guys for standing up and allowing their platform to be used in a way that pushes the culture forward. Now, we've put this brother on our sick and shut in list before or whatever. And, you know, Kanye West is one of the ones that is kind of not, you know, at the cookout anymore. (laughs) He is not. And we've talked about it on the podcast before how he has decided to run for president and how we need not to vote for him and the ways in which his, even his candidacy can be damaging to the progress that we're seeking to make as a nation. And all you can feel whatever you feel about Joe Biden. You can feel whatever you feel about all those different types of things. Well, what I do understand is that um, Joe Biden is the better option and it gives us the opportunity because of how we're going to vote for him. Uh, hopefully we vote for him because I know I'm going to to hold him accountable while he's in office. There is no level of accountability that's happening with this current administration. So if at any point, let's think of it that way. But that's not what I'm here to report. What I am here <laughs> to talk about uh, is the fact that the state of Missouri sent a letter to Mr. West informing him that his name would not be on the ballot come no come November. It was pretty hilarious. They let him know that he did not have the required amount of signatures. I believe that he was supposed to have Missouri law states that he was supposed to have about 10,000. 
Um, signature has he only had a little over 6,600. So he's, he won't appear there. I'm also learning and understanding that Wisconsin has removed West off their state's ballot after failing to file the, you know, the paperwork necessary to be an independent candidate. So like all of this foolishness that he's doing, like, and for y'all, and like, I think I talk about the baby, like, don't do that. And for people who like the baby, don't follow that fool. Like, we, there is no need for us to make matters even worse concerning this presidential election. Do not take him seriously. He is clearly not even taking himself seriously. Like, with the level of celebrity that he has, he could even garner 10,000 signatures, right? So, and he couldn't even file the proper paperwork in another state to be an independent candidate. So, like, let's not even begin to take this seriously. It is not worth it. We do not need to be doing it. All right. Um, one of the final things I want to talk about is there has been like this beef between Monica and Master P. Now, recently, Monica has stepped out and talked about the ways in which she has supported Master P's brother, Corey Miller, better known as C. Murder. And because it had, I think he went to jail in the early 2000s. I want to say 2002. And um, allegedly they were dating, you know, back in the early days and. He has always held to the belief that he was innocent. Um, he did not murder, kind of like wrong time, wrong place, or just kind of by association thing or whatever. Um, so, um, but Percy Miller, Master P, was upset that all of his efforts over the years and years, 18 years of financing and figuring out ways in which that he could bring his bring justice for his brother and bring him out of jail is kind of thwarted by this attempt that Monica is doing by bringing Kim Kardashian to the table to, you know, she's on that, you know, Captain Saver nigga thing that she does where she tried to get black men out of jail. And I'm never going to like, I am never going to say particularly negative things about someone who is using their platform and their privilege to be able to bring justice to black and brown people who were unjustly incarcerated, right? But at the same time, I'm not necessarily giving you a participation trophy for being a decent human being and using your platform in, in the ways in which you can use them to make sure that justice is seen for these black men and black women who may be wrongly incarcerated, right? If you call yourself an ally, if you call yourself an accomplice, these are the ways in which you should be doing this anyway. So while there is a thank you to be said, you don't get any special congratulatory things from me by doing what you should be doing as an accomplice. All right. All right. As Tabitha Brown would say, very good. Very good. Okay. But Percy Miller ain't here for it. Master P is not here for it. He pulled out his very uncle card, got on IG, recorded him a good eight minute long video and let Monica know um, you're wrong. And, and honestly, I, I don't, I don't think he was wrong for the ways in which he addressed Monica. Now, maybe he could have said it differently, but I think the sentiment behind it, right? The fact that we've been doing this work and all of a sudden you want to jump in and take all the credit and kind of be the forerunners almost for what we have been doing for almost two decades is borderline disrespectful. So to set it up in a way that kind of diminishes or does not acknowledge what the Miller family has done. And I get it. See, murder may be frustrated, right, with the way things are happening or how slow things may be going on. But at the same time, you cannot discount what your brother has done. So Percy Miller is tired of it. He put up a post saying that he is no longer an ATM. He cut his family off. He shut it down and just a bunch of other stuff. And honestly, 
uh, and I've heard it in another conversation I was listening to on a podcast, is that I feel like this entire situation is like a family conversation that I probably shouldn't be privy to, but here we are. Um, but I do think it is worth noting, right, that while the efforts may be, uh, there may be great efforts and what you're trying to do may be something that is admirable, I do think it is worth noting that you are inserting yourself in a process that had long been going on. All right. So that's what that is. And lastly, here on the billboard, I just want to give a smooth shout out to all of the, the jucking and jiving black folks, skin folk who ain't my kin folk at the national, the Republic National Coon Vention. They have been showing their tails. I mean, coons are going to coon. You know, they're going to do what they do best and saying things like Donald Trump is not a racist and having all these black people stand up and talk. I think it was Herschel Walker who said that he was offended that people would think that he would support a racist. Well, sir, have your offense, sit in it, rest in it, settle in it like a woman in her jean skirt on a Wednesday night. Settle in that offense, okay? Because you are supporting a racist. And it is not okay for you to sit there and to, you know, be coerced or paid off or whatever it is um, to support this gentleman. Now, you have the right as a free thinking citizen to do what you want. And speaking of that, what was Jaheim thinking about when he got on Blue Ivy's internet, Cicely Tyson's internet, and got up there and talked about the ways in which black people have been bamboozled and how we have been misconstrued about our thoughts concerning um, President Goldfish? Like, that is just... Anyway, I'm, I'm just asking now. I'm not going to get into that. But back to this um, Republican National Convention. Um, yeah. They've had all these black folk jucking and jiving and all these different types of things. And it is just absolutely atrocious to witness. I have not really paid a lot of attention. I've seen some of the highlights on CNN and, you know, social media and things like that. And it is just it is just almost disappointing. It's not disappointing in the sense that I'm surprised, but disappointing in the sense that these are the lengths that people will go to to really support something that is, you know, I, I almost it's just it's just asinine is the word that keeps coming to my mind. And shout out to this one particular young lady um, who I'm not going to call her name, but she's like a alleged Christian influencer who decided to get on her platform and talk about she's a 29 year old who's voting for Trump because she did research and she's not going to allow the media, social media to. Um, put out all this bad stuff. Let me just tell you something, little ignorant black woman that you are. I want you to understand that, first of all, your platform isn't even strong enough to make the kind of demands that you're making about people not coming to your page and being disrespectful and things of that sort, right? I respect your right to think whatever you want to think, no matter how stupid those thoughts are correct. Very good. But what I do not appreciate is your ability to be dogmatic and put out such a scathing almost remark and then be offended by people who want to question. Um, now, I don't think that you needed to be trolled, but I do think that it is almost irresponsible. It is an irresponsible use of your platform for you to be able to not I want to allow people to engage you in conversation. Then you have the nerve to use scripture to try to back up this fake support that you have for this gentleman who is going to do more harm than good for you, black 
woman, right? So as much as I am supporting and defending and taking up and all of those things for black women, it is, I'm not saying that you are hurting any of those causes. It just pains me to see a black woman stepping into the jucking and the jiving and the coonery of diamond and silk and then trying to put my, my, my mulatto Jesus did not die for the foolishness that you typed on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. So I need you. I know this ain't a greater conversation, but I decided to do this right here. I need you to understand that while Donald Trump may have done whatever you want to think that he's done that may have been good in your eyes, overall, he has been problematic. Overall, he has created this uprising of racism. He has emboldened hate among people and and really spread the divide with his racism, his xenophobia, his homophobia, and it is not okay. So I don't care what line of conservatism that you find yourself on, there is nothing And I mean nothing that you can say in terms of research and policy that will allow me to believe that God somehow gave you revelation about this man needing to be the president another four years. If that is the God that you serve, I want to begin to question the God that you know and you think is real. Very good. Very good. All right. That wraps up (laughs) the billboard today. Let's get straight into this conversation. Um, Just got paid. Boom, boom, boom. Friday night, boom, boom. Party's jumping, boom. And I'm in, all right, don't, don't, uh, right. I had to do it for my people who may not be millennials, millennials, and don't know Gucci Mane and Chris Brown song that I started from the beginning. All right, all right. So let's get into this um, living room conversation with my boy Theo. So grab your drink, grab your water, grab your juice, grab your snack, whatever it is you need to grab. Head on over to the living room, take a seat on the couch, and let's do this. What's going on, family? We are back in the living room, and today I have one of my Morehouse brothers with me. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, Theo Alexander is here. Man, introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are, what you do. What's going on, Josh? I appreciate you having me. So, yeah, like you said, my name, my name is Theo Alexander, uh, Morehouse graduate, uh, 2017, currently working as a business development representative at Investment, and also the CEO and founder of The Social Club. That's what's up, man. So first, we're not going to really go into too many details about how he just aged me by saying he graduated Morehouse in 2017. <laughs> 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 um, considering I came out six years prior to that. Um, but that is that's dope, man. Always glad to connect with some Morehouse brothers. And you mentioned the social club. And today's conversation is all about, you know, socializing and socialization. So let's just jump right into it. Why did you like create the social club? What is it? Word, word, word. So the Social Club is a community uh, built to cultivate lasting memories and meaningful relationships, mm-hmm. uh, specifically within the city of Atlanta. So think for us, by us, right? Um, yeah. And I think kind of the, the the way it came about is kind of a roundabout way. Okay. Right. So if you got time for a little story. So uh, my grandma actually owns a building on auburn avenue mm-hmm. so sweet auburn atrium she owns a building historic auburn avenue on the top of this building that holds you know office spaces and whatnot is a rooftop right so i moved back to atlanta last january okay um and one of my good friends chris covington 
around May, um, leading up to Memorial Day weekend, we were just like, hey, you know, let's throw a party up at the rooftop. So this is maybe Sunday before Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. Put a little flyer together, a little makeshift flyer, uh, put the word out. We ended up getting around 500 RSVPs just for this little day party for Memorial Day weekend. We was like, okay, it's lit, you know. So the day comes around, right, people show up. It's a good time, you know. It's hot as hell. I mean, May, June in Atlanta, you know, 93, 95 degrees with humidity is pretty Mm -hmm pretty unbearable up there but we had a pretty good turnout and then from there we're like okay we just do a party on short notice we had a bunch of people show up we should probably do some more of this right we could we can actually make this a little business because at the tail end of my my college experience myself and my friends we were actually making money throwing parties at that time just mm-hmm. for fun and whatnot so we had a little experience in that space so then they're like huh i'm thinking okay we can throw these parties, but more than just throw these parties, now my mind starts to go, right? Yeah. Like this previous history, like when I moved back home after graduating, I'd worked for this company. Eventually, I had my own marketing company. So some entrepreneurial, my, my father was an entrepreneur, grandfather, so it kind of mm-hmm. runs in mm-hmm. my spirit. So my mind automatically starts going. I'm like, okay, I live in Atlanta, right? Graduated from the AUC. Right, there's a lot of people in AC. It's a lot of talent here, but how are we maximizing this talent? Right, and so right. then my mind starts going, "Huh, we can use this as a vehicle to connect alumni from not only the AUC, right? Because you see, it was kind of like a reunion when everybody saw each other. But how about we get some people from Georgia State involved? What about the people from Georgia Tech that we didn't know? Right? What about the people from Kennesaw and all these different types of areas? What about the people who transplanted to Atlanta and just work here?" but they need some type of community um, and people who look like them and have similar, you know, values, similar interests, right? Where can they find this group of people? So that's how it started to kind of transform from there um, into what has become the social club, which is now, you know, events, um, fitness. We we typically have three main pillars that we try to focus on. So you have health and wellness, which is big, right? And breaking that down, physical health, Right. So you may have seen the workouts. Yeah. Right? I know we talked about, you know, the workouts and yep. how big of a deal that is. Right. Um, mental health. Right. Which, again, has been stigmatized within the black community, but it's something that's extremely important. Like I just read a stat that during this whole coronavirus pandemic, I believe one in four millennials is suffering from some type of anxiety, depression. Actually, I believe it said that they almost had suicidal thoughts somewhere along those lines. One in four, which is crazy. Yeah. It's wild, right. Man. But but we've been conditioned, you know, not to really talk about that. Specifically men, too. I think it's opening up a little bit, but definitely want to be a player in that space. Um, and then financial health, right? Again, somewhere where black people, you know, have fallen behind due to a number of different factors, right? But we have the responsibility, and I see it as a responsibility to teach our own people, you know, financial literacy and just become more educated about our finances in general. So financial health, mental health, physical health, that's kind of the health and wellness portion that we want to focus on. Arts and entertainment, obviously being in Atlanta, there's so much creativity. Yeah. You know, it's a hub of creativity, right? So it would be lovely, you know, to have all these different creative people be able to know each other, be able to bounce ideas off one another, be able to collaborate with one another and pull each other up, right? And the third is just that social aspect, you know, the event, the party, so to speak, and getting away from what I feel like Atlanta is 
is known for and kind of oversaturated, which is just going to the club and standing around popping bottles and it's more of a surface level experience and getting to, you know, back to those parties that you went to when you were in middle school or college or what have you, where people are dancing, right? Where people yeah. are having fun and some more intimate experience, right? Because I figure, you know, those are the best type of parties where you can kind of let loose and, and have fun. So I know that was kind of a long answer, but that's essentially what it is. It's community to connect people, you know, if you like to have fun, if you like to be on your purpose and you want to meet people similar to that, that look like you, you know, social club is the place for you. That's what's up, man. No, it wasn't too long of a story. And just for anybody who's not like hip with the AUC, that's the Atlanta University Center, Morehouse, Bell and Clark. Um, shout out to our brothers, kind of rest, brothers and sisters, rest in peace up there in Moby. Um, but like, yeah, that's the, that's the AUC. But it's um, it's interesting that you said, you know, taking it back, bringing the social experience or having the experience, so to speak, of like this interactive party kind of space like almost building a community while socializing and having fun right and you're right like i'm in a frat and i think i've said this before so many times like we we'll, we'll stroll through the party or whatever or through the event and then we end up in the corner talking to each other figuring out the next stroll instead of like <laughs> really having fun being on the dance sure. floor all these different types of things right so it's interesting that you said that specifically with the generation that we're a part of, like, have you found it hard curating this type of experience in what is considered like a social media generation? Sure. Well, I think obviously you have the, the inherent challenges that go with the coronavirus, right? So yeah, that's the um, thing. <laughs> right. So, so that in and of itself, um, we've kind of seen, and actually we're in the midst of, of kind of relaunching right now because we've kind of seen, all right, we got to transition and really get our game plan down as far as creating content. Yeah. Right. And creating content that that's valuable that people, you know, can digest. Um, and also content that we can have that's live where people can interact with one another and still get that live kind of feel. Right. So that's kind of the talent that we're facing right now. But in general, um, not necessarily only because I think that because there's such an oversaturated market of everything else, you know, mm -hmm. going going to the club and popping bottles and, and that kind of lifestyle. I'm not knocking that at all because, I mean, everybody enjoys that once in a while or, or whatever, right? Um, but I think because that exists so heavily, I think that there's a large population of people that feel the way that I felt when I was thinking of this concept that mm -hmm. are looking for something else. And I think when you provide a space and you provide an experience, that fills in the gap for those people and fills in that void for those people, I think it's a pretty easy sell because it's something that, you know, people want to do, but because we're either conditioned to, oh, this is the only thing, or we haven't opened our mind to be like, oh, well, we could be doing something else. So we could be having a different type of party or what have you. It just hasn't happened for some reason. But I think, I think um, challenge-wise, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's an easy sell. I think that's dope, like taking the party out of the DM and off of social media and kind of bringing, yeah. it, and bringing it face to face. I mean, because I mean, just on a platonic level, I think we've lost the art of or we're losing the art. I won't say that it's lost. Right. Of like communicating and really curating relationships. So like in a sense, like, you know, what I'm saying you're reestablishing that. So kind of like kind of kind of talk me through that, like how an event like so if I'm at an event where my boy Theo is throwing that mm -hmm. joint and, you know, we're going like, how do you like help curate that specific experience? Like what are some of the things that makes this different than 
we're not going to talk about going to compound and jumping in the Corona juice pool, but like, just like <laughs> different, <laughs> different than like, you know what I'm saying? Being at your typical nightclub or lounge. For sure. Well, I think the main thing and, and something that we have an advantage of is having that rooftop aspect for one. Yeah. Right. So having that rooftop that we have is actually the largest rooftop within Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was just so fortunate enough that my grandma owns. So having that space, it naturally kind of lends itself to something different because I'm big on not necessarily having sections and everything else. But I think just having that outside aspect, I think that there's a lot of rooftops in Atlanta that kind of cater to white people, mm-hmm. um, just bluntly speaking. But I think that kind of vibe and that kind of elevated vibe for African-Americans is something, especially young African-Americans, is something that I haven't seen um, in Atlanta to, you know, that kind of level. So I think, first of all, just introducing that in and of itself. And then different, you had different elements to it, right? So you have a photo booth that you put up there. Okay. Right? So you know people love to take pictures, you right? Know they incorporate, snap play on that social, exactly. So play on that social media, that social capital aspect of it too, right? Because you understand that people love to be seen in today's day and age, right? So you're going to put that up there, right? Mm-hmm. People love to dress up. People love to be seen. People love to look good. And people love to let people know that they look good, <laughs> right? So <laughs> just playing on some of that psychology too, right? Putting things in different activities um, and different kind of features up at that rooftop or up at a different party, right? Where you may make it a theme party, right? You may bring it back to the 70s. You may make it a Caribbean-style theme. And make sure that all that aligns. So you're not going to be up in compound. And it's going to be Caribbean style theme. And you're just in a section. It's not going to go down like that. But if yeah. you have an open space, right? And this dance hall, music playing, it's Afro beats. You know, the vibe lends itself to, okay, we're going to go in here. We're going to dance. We're going to have a good time. That's what's up, man. So, like, even, even in that piece, I think what's interesting about those kind of environments so to speak is this whole concept of social cues um like the head nod to the the brother you went to school with or like the eyes that to con- the eye contact that you make with the person that you've been watching all night and all these different kind of things do you and i guess this is less about the sh- the social club and more just about socialization um have you found that mm-hmm. number one that social cues are really a thing and then well they are but two like how have you Definitely. seen people respond to them or are, or are people even picking up on them anymore? That's a good question. Uh, to your point, I think that the the kind of rise of social media, and I have this type of conversations all the time, I think the rise of social media, and think about it, right? It's a symbiotic relationship that we have with technology now, mm-hmm. right? Especially kids. You see kids, three, two years old, they're learning with the iPad. You know, they're learning off the iPad. They're learning yeah. with a phone in their hand out, out of the womb, right? That's all that they know. Right. We were kind of in a generation, speaking for myself, where it's kind of we were in the middle. You know, iPhones weren't really too prevalent. Uh, there was no iPhone middle when school I was and everything yeah. else. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. But high school, college, you know, now it's the emergence of the iPhone and everything else. Same. Like, I remember being in college and Uber wasn't even a thing until my sophomore year. Right. So you just see how technology is kind of taking place. Mm-hmm. But to your point about social cues, I think that the emergence of social media um, and technology in general has hindered people's ability to effectively communicate. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe that um, because I feel like people aren't forced to, right? I think that the yeah. phone and everything else is kind of an easy out, right? Like if you're ever in an awkward situation or you notice people in an awkward situation, if they ever get into that situation, they're going to look up on their phone, right? Mm-hmm. They're just going to go through Instagram, Twitter, would have you instead of facing okay 
why don't I strike up a conversation or, or why don't I say something or why don't I just react in this moment and live in the present moment rather than living in this, you know, this alternative world that yeah. is my phone. So um, I believe that social cues do exist. However, I believe that, you know, it's kind of a skill picking up on them and, and some people have it and, and some people don't. And, and I would hope, um, I think it's, it's definitely important that as we move forward that people pay attention and, and try to cultivate, you know, those skills, those communication skills as best as they can, because you're always going to need uh, to be able to effectively communicate. It's not going to go away. True. So I guess, so I guess my direct question to you is um, in response to that, is that right. how, how would you respond to that? Shardy's looking at you. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like what is, what is your next level response? Uh, I'm going to act, you know, I'm yeah. going to act. <laughs> right. So I can pick up on it. Right. And I'm not going to be shy. You know, I'm not wanting to beat around the bush, so, so to speak, right? So I'm pretty direct. I can pick up on if a shorty is choosing or, you know, I can pick up on all these different things. I can pick up if somebody's looking at me funny, but however way it goes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I'm pretty in tune with how people, you know, uh, are interacting non-verbally, right? I, I think that's just a gift that I have. So I, I can see if, if some girl is looking at me, I can notice it. Right. I can see if some guys looking at me funny, I can notice it, you know, and all those different in-betweens. I think just picking up that art of nonverbal communication yeah. is something that's extremely important. But I don't know if that's more, you know, it's kind of that nature versus nurture conversation. I don't know if that's just the experiences that I've had, Yeah. right, where I've been in these certain circumstances and I've been exposed. And now it's just at a certain point, I, I, just, I understand it and I can pick up on it or if it's just something that was born into me and I would just you know, somebody who was able to pick up on that. That's, what do you think about that? I mean, personally, like I'm able to peep game, right? So, um, if sure. w- yeah, whatever, like whatever the circumstance is, I feel like I know when I'm being flirted with, even if it's nonverbal, I know when like someone's not liking me, not feeling me. I know if somebody's like just straight up want to connect or if they want something, you know what I'm saying? The conversation always kind of details like, hey man, like, you know what I'm saying? It, like, like, And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what do you want? Um, but you know, outwardly, I'll be a little bit more, I have a little bit more cooth. I've grown over the years. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely think that oftentimes for people who may not be as equipped, right. With the gift to kind of understand social cues and read body language and facial expressions and kind of understanding like certain, um, words too, right. They kind of indicate what someone may be wanting or what their intentions are. That's what I'm looking for. I do think even in social spaces, sometimes it can get kind of complicated, right? Because I think I've been told that I was naturally kind of flirtatious, um, which is really interesting sometimes because I've also been told that I'm like hard to approach. Um, So that's a whole dichotomy thing there. Um, But at the same time, I say that to say, like, you may not step to me because like, Josh, look, nah, he ain't feeling it. But at the same time, if we engage in conversation, you could you could be thinking that I'm cueing you for something else. And no, wait, I'm really just being nice. I'm, you know, a pretty cool dude. So I guess I guess the question, you know, throwing it back at you is that how do we, you know, say handle maybe the misinterpretation of like socialization? Mm. Yeah. That's a good question right there, because I do experience that. I do experience, you know, that um that, that, that kind of line between, okay, are you being friendly or you're being flirtatious and, and, and so to speak. So mm. just having, again, your intentions kind of misconstrued. That's a good question. Um, 
as far as how to handle that, that's tough. I think, I mean, you just got to be genuine, you know, and I I think you just got to, you got to, you got to know what your intentions are at the end of the day and and make sure that your intentions are clear. I think that's all you can do, right? Because we can't control what other, what other people think at the end of the day. We can't control how other people interpret stuff. As long as you know that your intentions and you feel like you clearly outlined your intentions, I think you just got to live with that because, you know, some things just aren't going to be interpreted the way you want them to be. Right. You know, you got to let that go. Right. You're not going to be understood by everybody. Everything isn't going to be interpreted the way you want it to be, but you can find peace knowing that your intent is your intent. And that's, and that's so good. And I think it's a, there's, there's two sides of that, right? On one end, knowing your intent, and if they misinterpret or misunderstand it, being like you said, genuine and upfront, like wait, wait a minute, because um, you and then you don't have to be rude about it, right? You could legit, you know, what I'm saying, right. play it to the left in a way that suggests like we ain't got no issues, but that's just not what I meant, what I want, what I need, whatever, whatever. Um, but then on right. the flip side, also understanding that if they misinterpreted your intent or what you meant, not taking it personal as well because there are also people if you're trying to hook up right who may i know i have friends who are just blind to flirting they would not be able to pick it up like they just they just don't see it right and that's a whole nother conversation but then i have also other people who are so arrogant that they think everybody's flirting with them right so i think also when (laughs) when it's like when it's not what you meant it to be not also taking it personal and then even owning right if you're in the wrong or something being able to own, like, wait a minute, well, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to, whatever, whatever. Um, so I think that that whole honesty piece um, and being self-aware is something that I'm really big on, really being self-aware and understanding who you are, what you want. And then also, like, being confident in that, too. Yes, I did want you. Um, no, it did not work out. And that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you got to be, yeah, you know, as long as everything was copacetic, as long as you went about it the wrong way, like, not everybody's going to choose you. Not everybody's mm-hmm. going to want you, right? But I agree with what you said, right? It's self-awareness and also, you know, standing 10 toes on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> being confident in what you said. 100%. Yeah, so like um I think the interesting thing about Atlanta specifically is that um you know it's a lot of our events be them social end up kind of turning into this kind of hookup fest. Uh I went to this networking event, man, maybe it's been a while now and it was at opera. So that should have been signal number one that this ain't a, this might not be a networking event um, for like the first hour and some change. <laughs> it was people were exchanging business cards, having glasses of wine, whatever, whatever. And literally about an hour into that joint, it music shifted, lights went down and it literally turned into a party. And so often if it's not hosted by like this kind of cookie cutter organization, a lot of our networking events turn into networking events, right? Um, <laughs> so do you, so like, have you found that personally, kind of going back to the social club, that being a challenge or even just personally for you, when you enter spaces, like I came from one thing, but it's something totally different. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the culture. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the culture of Atlanta. I think anywhere where you have a high population of black people, Right. I think that that's just something that comes with black people. Black people want to have fun. Right. We're going to work hard, but we want to have fun. too. Yeah. And why not do it in the same space? Right. Especially if you're taking time out of my night, time out of my day, shoot, we might as well turn up too after we handle business. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that that's just a, a black people thing that black people want to have fun. Um, and honestly, 
you know, just depending on what that, that kind of turnout period looks like, I, I think that that's the way that you really can sell networking events to the younger generation, right? Because if you're thinking about this a standard networking event, yeah, suit and tie or dressing up and whatever, and it's kind of very formal, you know, a lot of young people, they're not even really looking looking to that, right? You're getting yeah. a small population of people who, you know, understanding, a lot of people don't even understand how to network and how to network in those spaces, right? You know, it, it could be a lot of anxiety associated with that. A lot of people are shy. A lot of people don't, you know, they might not have a, a specific objective that they want to accomplish when they go to these different events, right? So in order to lure people in, right, and get people interested and excited to go to these different networking events, right, incorporating some of that turn up aspect, incorporating some of that fun aspect, whether it be planned or unplanned, I think that only helps, right? Because I think that you attract people who otherwise may not have gone, right? Mm -hmm. But they're still qualified to be in that space, right? But now you're getting them and you're luring them in with, hey, I can turn up and I can meet new people on this front. And even, you know, if it's not a business relationship, maybe it's a platonic connection, who yeah. knows? Maybe it's a romantic connection, right? But we're all here to live at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So it's a time to socialize and, and be professional and then it's a time to have fun. So honestly, I, I think that's probably the way that it's going to look in the future, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my take on it. So how do you, let's kind of um, round this this part of the conversation out. How do you, are you a, then able to, you know, you're at your job, right? How do you maybe incorporate socialization there? Um, because one thing that I always say when I'm in a corporate space is that gaining friends is a fringe benefit. I didn't come here to do that. Uh, I'm not going to come here to be rude or mean or nasty, uh, but I don't enter a space looking for my next BFF, right? I just, that's just not what I'm doing. And oftentimes I found myself actually having very minimal to no communication with people, especially once I transition to the next space. Like, you know, we, we were, we were friends based on the condition that we work together. Right. So, mm-hmm. so for you, like, how does, how does that work for you? How do you navigate socializing within the, you know, the workspace? So this is interesting. I like that you brought this up because I yeah. have two different examples. Okay. Right. So in my first job working, when I was working back home in Baltimore, Maryland, right. I was working and the people I was working with were predominantly black um and kind of we had similar interests mm-hmm. right so the people that i worked with at that job there's some people that i still may be in contact with loosely to this day yeah right i would hang out with them on the weekends stuff like that right now in my job that i have now you know it's definitely a corporate environment right and that's that company fintech the whole nine yards Mm-hmm. Right. So you notice that at these types of companies, right, it's a lot more um, whitewashed. Right. So you have a lot more, you know, white people that work in these spaces. And sometimes, and I think that this is a challenge for black people, just navigating these different types of spaces. Now, yeah. I'm not a person that thinks it's imperative that you conform that you go out of your way to try to, you know, be cool with these different types of people. Like you said, I'm, I'm here to make my money, I'm here to advance my career. You know, I have plenty of friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, with that being said, I think there's also a line where you want to be conscious and you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, right? These connections, right, yeah, could help you advance your career. 
right? So I think it's, it's, it, it comes down to, you know, it's probably um, activities, maybe a happy hour. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of your colleagues are going out to lunch or something like that. I think it's trying to be, you know, a part of as many of those as you feel like you can handle. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if it is, if you're that black person in the space of all white people, you know, I think yeah. you try to go to as many of those and, and include yourself in yeah. those as many as you can handle. But I wouldn't feel pressured at the same time to feel obliged to be around people that you otherwise wouldn't be around or just simply put, don't feel like being around maybe because your interests don't align or you just feel like, you know, you're not being yourself mm-hmm. in those instances. So. Um, as far as the socialization aspect, I think you just try to find, you know, you're going to be polite, right? Yeah. If there's something that you're, you have in common, right, you can talk about that um, and just keep it surface level, you know? And if you, if you have that kind of relationship with somebody um, that goes deeper than that, then more power to you. But Yeah, I, and I think that's so real. Um, yeah, I think that's so real because... Like I said, I'm not walking in there with the mindset to find my, my my next friend. But at the same time, like if you invite me to lunch, I'm gonna go to lunch. And most time, most times, if you do a happy hour or some type of you know team building event, I'm you know I'll go. Probably ain't staying as late as you're staying, but I'll go <laughs> to at least. And then sometimes I find myself do really enjoying you know enjoying whatever we're doing because hey, I didn't know you were this cool outside of you know after five o'clock, right? So those are things that end up end up happening um I, I think at my last job me and one of my homeboys you know white guy um but real cool like he was my coffee buddy and when we needed that 230 fix like we hit up starbucks across the street or like, we worked in midtown so we were like we actually tried different little spots you know what i'm saying just and that was just you know our thing wasn't looking for him to be a friend um but ended up being one right and um so yeah i think that's i think that's cool and i think what you brought up something that was also important especially for those who are just graduating, just entering the workforce, you do not have to feel pressure to do two things. One, because this is a real black podcast, so I, you should, I think the people know this by now, is that you do not have to assimilate to succeed. Um, I do think there's a certain level that we, how we should present, right, in terms of being professional, but your professionalism can look um, different for you, and it should still be a representation of your blackness. I say it all the time that I am educated with three degrees. I am been in the corporate space over ten years, but I still like my chicken wings fried hard with lemon pepper seasoning on top of them. Right? <laughs> I'm still black. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to downplay it. Um, I was in a space where they were talking about music, and somebody, they, and it was a bunch of white boys too, talking about Taylor Swift, and they asked me like, "Josh, you don't like her?" I was like, "I don't." Like, first of all, I probably couldn't even tell you like a, a song for real maybe if you start singing it i probably know it because i've heard it but i don't and and they were just shocked and i didn't doubt I, and then they started wanting to talk about well you know i like jay-z and i'm like you know and i, and I played it to the left because i didn't want to buy into that but they, they really tried to start talking about the blueprint and i'm just and i had to stop I'm like Bro, right <laughs> this is what we're not going to do and it's okay like I like, if we For really sure. want to talk about music, let's talk about Mark, how March Madness by Future is one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, like, let's, like, you there know, you but I know you probably can't relate, and that's okay. So to those people, like, you don't have to force yourself into social situations that make you feel like I shouldn't be as black. Be as black as you want, as you need to be. Like, don't be out there like... Yes. You know what I'm saying? Doing the most, but you know, be be you. And then the second thing is also don't feel pressured to make the connections beyond work. Cause I think there is a happy medium where 
to your point, you can make those connections to advance your career and be cordial and still not invite them to your house for your Christmas party and still not allow them into certain spaces. Like there is a real art to allowing people to believe that they're closer to you than they really are. And I think that is an art in corporate America that we have to, in order to survive, master. Um, because like you said, some people feel like they want to know you in order to promote you. And you can give them a whole lot without giving them really nothing at all. Um, I'm so, I'm so, so glad you said I'm glad that. you said that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad you said that as well. And just glad that you went on to expound on that topic. Uh, one of my good friends, mm-hmm. my brother, Jabari Holland, he's big on that. Uh, just normalizing being black in corporate America. And he works at Facebook and he's the head of, you know, the black man at Facebook group up there in their Chicago office. So he's really big on that. Just being proud. You don't, you don't have to change. You don't have to conform. Mm-hmm. You don't have to assimilate, like you said, right? Be um, conscious of what's going on, but yeah. don't feel the, the need or the pressure to change who you are to, to fit that standard. Yeah. Cause you like with me, you're going to get these tattoos. You're going to get these earrings. Um, you yeah, <laughs> like, you're, you're going to get me. And I do understand because I worked in, um, a corporate space where we did real estate development, particularly with colleges and universities. So a lot of our meetings were with, you know, really white, old, um, conservative presidents and, you know, executive staff. So like my earrings would likely come out because I don't necessarily need I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, right. while I'm sitting in my office, in my cube, they're going to be in my short sleeve. I'm not wearing long sleeve shirts in 90 degree weather. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think there's a, yeah. like, that's where I'm talking about how to navigate it um, socially. But that's, that's a whole other conversation. But it's something I'm super passionate about because I see so many of us trying to figure it out. We're so frustrated um, because as you said, a lot of these corporate white spaces are not necessarily d- designed for us to navigate them successfully. And I think, being um being really true to who we are relieves a uh, a level of pressure off of us and it allows us to understand how we can socialize and and um and still be in those spaces without conforming so to that point platonic relationships right I'm a big believer in them. I believe that we all need space and opportunity outside of our significant others, right? Me and my wife have been married almost eight years now, and I love her to death. Quarantine has, you know, really tested our love. We've been stuck in this house together since March. Um, (laughs) We've stuck in this house together since March. Um, But I say that to say, before that, we used to make it a point to have, like, guys, like, she's an AK. You know, I'm a capital, so like we have our line brothers, line sisters, and just, I mean, even beyond that, just our friends, right? We used to make it a point to do our own thing every so often because you need that break. And I really believe in the development and really the nurturing, like of brotherhoods and sisterhoods and things like that. So, like for you, how important are platonic relationships? Man, that's super important. Yeah, right. That's super important. And I think that if you just look at the studies as far as happiness, as far as mental health and everything else, mm-hmm. you look at you know, friendship is essential. Yeah. Right. Friendship is essential to, you know, just well-being in life. And I've been blessed. Um, I've been blessed as somebody who's kind of had friends my whole life. Right? I have two younger brothers. Um, so naturally, and, and no sisters, so it's just the three of us. Right. So naturally, I kind of gravitated towards them. You know, mm-hmm. those are my best friends. Right. But then I have a group chat that goes every day that I have maybe 25 of us just from from one house. So it could be in my class, 
couple in the class above, couple in the class below. And we'll just talk about a whole number of different topics. Yeah. And I think we'll be going off nonstop. Right. But that's so important because you need that. Right. You, you need your friends. You need to be able to talk about things that are important, things that interest you. You know, you need to be able to have people that you can rely on for advice. Yeah. When you're going through a tough time. Right. You need to be able to have those people. Um, and I think that just relationships in general, platonic relationships, like I think that's so important because where would you be without that? You know, just be, like, honestly, yeah. where would you be without those types of, uh, of relationships? I, I couldn't tell you. I could not tell you. Yeah. So like, and uh, I guess so for you, are you a part of that, that crew of um, Drake's no new friends? Or are you open even in, you know, mid-20s of saying, hey, I, you know, a new friend. Like, I'm open to that. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, okay. What you what you call a friend, for one, right? Because kind of as I've gotten older and I've gone through different experiences, right, you learn that people who you may have considered a friend aren't really your friend. Right? Facts. They don't have your best interest, mm-hmm. right? So then that kind of stuff makes you more jaded. Like, damn, do I have too many people that I call? A friend, right? Are these just associates, or they just want me because I have this, or they want me because they see me with this, this girl, or, or what have you, right? Uh, but then at the same time, I think you just look at, you know, the goodness of people, and you're gonna come across people where it's just a genuine connection, right? And who are you mm-hmm. to deny that based off of your past history, your past, you know, preconceived notions? That has nothing to do with the person who you're encountering in this moment, yeah, right? And I think the biggest thing is just to live in the moment, right? can't control the past right it already happened you can't control the future it hasn't yeah. happened yet yeah right but you can live in the moment and if you feel like you have a genuine relationship and an understanding and a trust in a person why shouldn't it be your friend you know why why should you shut yourself off from that but you just have to be a good judge of character at the same time yeah that is so true because uh and it's funny when you mention your group chat I remember a time where I probably would have been in a group chat of 25 people and I'm in a space now where that is annoying. Um, for one reason, like even, <laughs> even in my group chat um, of my college friends, um, we call ourselves the originals because we all have like other friends, but we are the core group that, you know, sticks together. And it's about is nine, nine of us in there. And when we get to going, I have to, my notifications are turned off in that group because when they get to going, it is going. I'm yeah. like, I'm at, I'm at work. I can't, I can't be here texting all yeah, day. Yeah, you have to mute it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is not a group me because I hate those. Um, this is like legit, legit. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, this is the iMessage. Yeah, iMessage. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And, and no, no Androids. Like, don't bring those green bubbles over here. Um, and then I have. Yeah, no, 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 no. We can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> then I got another group where it's like some really close friends. We met around the same time, my college friends but we met in a different space and now all of us are like married. So now our spouses, that's a group. There's like eight of us in there. Right. So that joint pops off at certain moments. Um, but I said that to say, as I've gotten older, like my available, I don't want to say my availability, but my, my interest in having a whole bunch of people around me has decreased while I am not, mm-hmm. uh, I am open to new friendships um, and relationships. Because I mean, just, I mean, just think about how me and you initially connected. Like I saw what you were doing um, mainly with the fitness side of the social club. And I reached out and was like, Hey man, right. I love what you're doing. You know, would love to connect, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I think for me, even being, not to say like, you know what I'm saying? I'm old, old, but like even being your senior, 
recognize him. Um, but just recognize him, you know, so even this one who's younger than me, who's doing something dope, doing something amazing and wanting to connect. So it's like, it's like a double-edged sword. Like I understand like friendship sure. is a real thing. And I am very careful about who, who I call friends. I think, you know, being Morehouse brothers, you know, if I meet another frat, I think those are like bonds that we have naturally because we can talk about some stuff, right? We can talk about, I don't know where you stayed freshman year, but I stayed in Du Bois and I got stories about, you know, terrible stories about, <laughs> yeah. you know, what I'm saying, that experience. And I think certain things, uh, having the maturity to know that even in our black experience, right, certain things will bond us, but not necessarily make us, you know, saying best friends forever, but also not counting out the possibility of real, like, long-term friendship um, and accountability and camaraderie. Right, because I think some of those things are, are more or less, for lack of a better term, qualifiers, right? Mm -hmm. You have a certain understanding of a person based off of their background, maybe what they've gone through, the yeah. experience that they have, right? So, for example, like knowing that you've gone to Morehouse, knowing that I've gone to Morehouse, we share that bond, we have shared experiences. So that's more or less, you can use that as a qualifier to be like, okay, I can understand this person more or less, right? Just for knowing nothing, I can understand that they've seen some of the things, the same things that I've seen. Yeah. So, you know, using some of those shared experiences as qualifiers for people who you may not know can kind of help out. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's all about being genuine, you know, you lead, you lead with love, right? You got to treat everybody with respect, right? Yeah. And whether that materializes into a long lasting friendship or that materializes into, you know, an associated, a connection, you know, somebody that you're cool with, what have you, right? It's just, mm -hmm. again, like I said, being that judge of character. Yeah, that's, that's important too. And I think the other piece, we kind of hit on it earlier, is being okay with the outcome. Right. So like, had I hit you up and you was like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And that was the end of that conversation. It's okay. The brother didn't want to, you, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and I am like so fine with that. Right. I'm so fine with that. Um, sure. It may have been a moment in my head where I would have shaded you in my head. Like what, you know, like, I just, like I'm just like, you know, right. shout <laughs> brother out. But at the same time, it's like, you know what I'm saying? I, right. I'm not, I didn't approach this necessarily expecting anything if i'm gonna be honest um and i think un having that level of expectation um and just and even if you do have high expectations being okay with it not being what you wanted maybe being more than what you wanted yeah go ahead yeah there's something i read i just read a book um the seven laws the seven spiritual laws of success by mm -hmm. deepak chopra one thing that they talk about in that book one of the laws that he speaks on is detaching yourself from the outcome yeah. Right. You can't control the outcome. Right. You can control what you put into a situation. You can control. Like you reached out to me. I was off the love. That was off the strength. Right. It yeah. wasn't about the outcome. It wasn't about whatever. Right. So making sure that you know, I try to do that in anytime I interact with somebody. Like it's not for what I can gain. Right. It's letting me know how I feel, and you can do it with what, what you want yeah. with that information or yeah. that gesture or what have you. Right. It's not for something in return. Because if you're doing something in return, it's not genuine. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. doing something every time. So, detaching yourself from the outcome is definitely a key. So, just wanted to touch on that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess while we're there, like, how do how do you handle? Um, do you, first of all, do you watch Insecure? Let me let me preface that with that question. This question with that question. Yeah, I do. I do watch Insecure. I actually did not finish. What what, what season was this? It's happening. Four, four, four. 
Yeah. Yeah, I did not finish the okay. fourth season. So this, so this is a general so, question, I and I, yeah, like I said, and I don't think you need to know like the the depths of what happened. So um, okay. remember, one of Issa's interests was Nathan, light skinned guy, um, and he ghosted mm-hmm. her. He ghosted her. Mm-hmm. So to that point of of being okay with the outcome, what are your thoughts or or how do you even navigate being ghosted? Do you ghost? Like what what is this whole thing in this new era of socialization? Okay. <laughs> um, that is interesting. I have ghosted um before. I'm not proud of it. Yeah. Right, and I think once you do that, and I think once you kind of learn that that's not an acceptable thing to do as mm-hmm. a grown person, then you learn from that, and you learn okay, you need to communicate your feelings. Right, that's fair. That's growth. You wouldn't yeah. want to be in a situation. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be in a situation where you're ghosted. Personally, I, I I haven't really been in too many situations where I've been ghosted. Um, I guess this is God, or maybe it just hasn't happened yet. You know, <laughs> people like you're decided. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's coming. You know, God forbid. Um, but yeah, that's not acceptable. <laughs> to answer your question, ghosting is unacceptable, right? We're grown. Mm-hmm. Communicate. Communicate, right? You're going to respect that a lot more if you know where people stand, right? You know, just running off of it. You don't, you don't know how that can affect somebody either. Yeah. Right? Because then you're left, they're, they're, that other person is left with no closure of what's going on. It's just mm-hmm. like, damn, is it me? Like, what did I do? X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, communicate. You're grown. Use your words. You know, people are going to respect you for that and you're going to respect yourself for that. Bet. So what is, personally, for Theo, what is the ideal social space for you? Like, I want to have a good time. I'm thinking about meeting some new people, Word. connecting with some folk. Outside of your own events, if you're Word. going to one, you know what I'm saying? What is the ideal yeah, atmosphere? Okay. I think that the quintessential okay. social experience, I'm not going to lie to you, I, I really... I'm a brunch guy, like, and I, and not that I go to brunch all the time, but mm-hmm. every time I go to brunch, I just feel like it's an immaculate vibe. Like, I feel like the vibes is always right. You with yeah. people that you enjoy, I would assume, right, more often than not, right? You got the drinks going, right? So you getting loose, right? You might have some music playing, right? And then it gives you a chance to converse and have fun, you know? Yeah. That's more, that's more my speed right there, you know? either dancing or talking and listening to people. Really, you know, getting to know people. Like, mm-hmm. that's more my speed. Like, I, like I kind of spoke about earlier. I'm not the, you know, pop bottles type dude where we just standing around. It's like, what we doing? What we doing here, right? I'm yeah. more the, all right, we drinking, we talking, we socializing, but it's good vibes. And you're getting good eats, I would hope. Mm-hmm. When you go to brunch, you're getting good eats. We would assume. That's all I need. I'm a simple <laughs> guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. a simple guy, right? You give me around some beautiful people. You give me some good food. You give me some liquor. I don't need much more. You know, good vibes. So, so do you think that's, that's the trend, though? Like, because I've seen, like, that day parties are often more popping than night. Like, you know, your typical kind of evening type of thing, yeah. especially in big spaces. And is it because in the daytime I'm more inclined to converse? I'm maybe more inclined to be at the, I can actually see what you look like <laughs> and all these different types of things. Like, do you think that that's why maybe the brunch or the day parties are having the better social outcomes than your more traditional nighttime stuff? That may be part of it. I also think okay. part of it is just naturally we getting older, you know, and people True. go to sleep earlier, you know, it's more fatigue sitting <laughs> in, you just work the whole week. Yeah. So it's like, you're probably going to spend, if you do something, 
probably going to spend the earlier part of your day doing something than going out at night, especially if, if it's on like a Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to go out on Sunday night and get drunk. I would assume most people right who have to work the next day probably wouldn't do that. I know yeah. some will. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's, that's probably the biggest part of it because I know when I was in college, shoot, me and my friends, we, we'd be drinking, you know, all the time. It doesn't matter. We drink till so somebody passes out. Like it was just like, that was, was like, that was the culture. I'm not condoning that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, that, that's what it was. Right. And then now it's like, I don't even drink like that anymore. Right. Like I can't sit home and just drink for no reason. I've never been that type of person, but even, you know, just going out and whatever, like I'm cool. Like I'm just cool with, with, with a couple of drinks. So maybe, you know what I'm saying? A little weed here and there, but, is that copacetic for this podcast? We're going to talk about no, no, you know, you're good. gas. <laughs> you good, man. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so a little gas, you know, and then that's it. I'd be cooling, but I think that's probably the main thing. It's just like you're fatigued from the work week. So it's like if you're going to do something and you get a chance to have the rest of your day after you have fun yeah. to do whatever, yeah, you're going to do that. You're going to choose that option. That's what's up, man. So let's so let's let's wrap up the conversation this way. Give the people who are listening um, maybe one or two ways, you know, Teddy's ways, Theo's ways of building yeah. social capital, social wealth. Mm, okay. Number one, you got to be genuine, right? Mm-hmm. Treat every person that you come across like the most important person in the world. I think that's the biggest thing, right? People, you know the quote, all right? People ain't going to remember what you said to them, right? They ain't going to remember how, what you was dressed like, right? But they're going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Right. And so impacting people and making them feel good, I think that's contagious. Right. So I think, you know, treating people with respect, you know, like the most important person in the world, being a genuine person, that's first and foremost from there. Right. And then, uh, shoot, number two, um, I think don't be afraid to be vulnerable. You know, I think that when people can connect to you, right, when you're vulnerable and people can connect to you and they feel like they can really get to know you, Right. Um, I think that that just allows your bond to strengthen and deepen with people. And I think that's really it from there. You know, if you just replicate that with whoever you come into contact with, you know, obviously you don't want to open yourself up to everybody. Right. But if you just do those those core things right with people, you know, that's what's going to spread. Right. And it's kind of contagious. Your energy you put out is going to spread. If you're a good person and and, uh, you know. The word's going to get around. That's how I feel. Yeah. No, I agree. And even with vulnerability, I think we have to, as much as I agree with that, we have to be careful about not giving all of us at once. Um, oh, yeah, because you'll, you'll scare somebody off or like, you know what I'm saying? And again, the whole misinterpreted thing, like if I'm giving you, you know what I'm saying? When I reached out, you know, to Theo about just, you know, hyping him up about what he was doing. But if I ended up just like pouring out my soul, it'd be like, well, I would have got ghosted. I'm sure. Cause it's like, yeah. you, know, what, you know, what is homie doing? So I think, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I think there's a way to take that momentum and build on it. Uh, because that's just, even with my best friend, that's just certain conversations, you know, we didn't have to almost a few years later. Um, Cause if we were continuing, sure. you know, building trust and things like that, but I do agree like being open um, to be open is is key because yeah. if I feel like you're closed off, if you approach me, then you're going to get a specific type of experience from me. Um, and if you if that wasn't your expectation, then you have to go and rethink 
and realign, you know, how you approached it because, you know, I'm an energy, I'm a vibe person too. So I, you know, I, I kind of match them and I'm not necessarily going to be petty. Mm -hmm. Well, I can be, but I'm not necessarily going to be that way, <laughs> but I, but I'm also not going to be like willing to allow you in my space. If you're giving me a very, um, closed off version of you. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big vibes, big energy person. You know, you can, you can read somebody's energy off top. So I'm big on that. Yeah, man. So like, bro, thank you so much for being in what I call the virtual living room. Um, definitely probably won't be your last time. Really dope conversation. But yeah. as we get ready to close this out, um, tell the people how they can follow you, how they can contact you and maybe some stuff that you got coming up. Yeah, for sure. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Theo uh, Huxtable. Uh, I don't know if it's Theo Die Huxtable or Theo <laughs> Huxtable underscore. I'm about to give that to y'all right now. Yeah, Theo dot Huxtable on Instagram. And you yeah. can also follow the social club at Social Club Atlanta. At Social Club Atlanta is where mm -hmm. you can follow the social club on Instagram. Yeah. And also follow me on Twitter at Theo Huxtable. But yeah. And on Instagram, we got some we got some really cool stuff there. And, and if you're looking forward to joining that community again, I highly recommend you check out the page. We're about to relaunch the whole campaign pretty soon with some new content. Um, again, kind of adjusting to the COVID period, so I'm very excited about that. And I appreciate you having me, man. This is awesome. Yeah, man. And this is Theo Huxtable, not to be confused with Malcolm Jamal Warner, just so um, y'all won't be having these wrong yeah. expectations when you go to my to, to my boy's yeah. page. Um, but yeah, man, again, always a pleasure. But let's get ready and wrap this up and go into the next segment where we talk about some black men's self-care. All right, so welcome to, uh, you know how we do it here in this segment we call I Am My Brother's Keeper. We're going to talk about some black man self-care. So I'm going to let always let my, my my house guests go first. So Theo, man, tell the people what are you doing for self-care this weekend? Word. So this weekend. Yeah. Woo. This is a good one, man. What am I going to do? Well, one, I got to start. I got to go to the gym. That's, okay. that's an automatic. And, and since the quarantine <laughs> happened, I've really been going heavy to the gym. Lord, please protect me from coronavirus. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yes, I'm going to the gym. Yeah. Um, I got to get a good workout in. Um, and then, boom, after that, I'm going to make myself a juice. You know, I got I got a juicer at home, so definitely want to get the, the freshly squeezed, you know, vegetables and fruits in the system. That's important. Um, what else am I going to do? I might kick it with some friends, you know. Yeah. I might be by the pool. You know, hopefully the weather, I know it's been raining a lot, um, but might kick it with some friends, might, might kick it by the pool, maybe grill, you know, just some relaxation this weekend. Where I think the, the, the principle is you got to eat right and you got to go to the gym, got to get some work in. Yeah. That's, that's every day. Yeah. That's what's up. I mean, my boy's going to be on vibes. I built a, um, I just built a home gym um because my my tolerance right. for germs is just kind of still there and uh i just don't know yeah. if like i I've, i haven't been the person who's been stuck in the house like I, I go to grocery stores and i've done some socially distanced socialization um uh, but la i saw how la fitness was before corona so i'm not necessarily trusting <laughs> trusting their cleaning yeah, skills nah. you know even with all the precautions that they have but that's what's up bro um for me, so this is going into my anniversary weekend. So I'm sure, I don't know. I will be 
very honest with the people. I have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to be doing something. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing something together, uh, even oh, if there's even if there's just dinner um, and just getting. Don't let her know that. Don't oh, she knows. I just we talked about it last week, and she was like, okay, weekend. I was like, Psh. I don't know what we're doing, but we, you know we'll figure it out. Uh, I'm pretty good on my feet, though, so yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, man, again, thank you so much for joining us um, here. You're definitely going to be back, um, and let's let's wrap this thing up, wrap up the podcast, and go into a greater conversation. Let me talk. Let me talk. So earlier in the episode, in the beginning, we talked about the tragic shooting that happened with Jacob Blake, right? And how, you know, thankfully he's still alive, but what happened should not have happened. So what what ended up occurring also within the city or the township or whatever of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and that is a real black name for uh, this level of racism and um, things to be happening, but I digress on that. Um, But what ended up happening is that there was, again, there was an uprising of protests and demonstrations and things that happened, and there was unrest in the city. So much so that the um, local government there implemented a boom, boom, curfew. That's what I'm looking for. So in the midst of black folk doing what we do, organizing, getting together, making sure that we're fighting the fight of justice and all these different type of things. Little Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17 year old was charged with murder because he killed two people who were protesting. And the privilege of it all is, is that when police arrived on the scene, they didn't start shooting. They didn't start doing all these other type of things. They politely arrested this man. And then in a press conference had the nerve to say from the chief of police, he says that the 17 year old gunman was there. He was involved in the use of firearms to resolve whatever conflict that was in place. Have you like, bro, if you don't understand what right white privilege is at this point, then you are absolutely choosing to be ignorant and choosing to rest in your stupidity. How in the world does a, a young teenage boy have a rifle, kill two people, critically injured another, and then the police have the nerve to arrest him peacefully, then shoot, then do anything, walk toward the police with a gun, hands up, right? And how many of us have had our hands up and said, don't shoot and all these other type of things? We still ended up shot and dead in the streets, right? He did all of these things, spare his life, and then the chief of police wants to create a narrative that says that he resolving conflict and furthermore wanted to also insert his opinion and say things that would suggest that if people were not breaking the curfew then that would not have happened sir i am not caring what kind of curfew or policy that you had in place the breaking of a haphazardly thrown together policy based on the systematic oppression of a people right it's not an excuse breaking their policy is not an excuse for someone to go out and be a renegade and kill others so it really doesn't matter like what the people were out that's what protest is it is to the right to kind of buck the system and interrupt and disrupt space for the cause of justice and for the cause of change. So the mere fact that 
you can even assert yourself in conversation or assert yourself in a level of opinion and perspective to suggest that if people were not there, then those people would not have died. You are stupid. You deserve to have your job taken away from you because you as a police officer do not know what human decency is. You as a police officer do not understand the ways in which people have the right, just the right to live and to have oxygen breathing through their lungs. And if you cannot understand that, you need to lay your badge and your gun on the table and get yourself out of that space and out of that office. I am so sick and tired. Like I'm so sick and tired of this whole blue lives crap. There is no such thing as blue lives. Like, can we start there? There is no such thing as blue lives because when you take that, when you take that uniform off, you are white, you are black, you are Hispanic, you are Asian, you are whatever you identify to be. Do you understand that? And there are black officers who are out here who do not have the special license place tags and do not have any any identifiers or indicators that will suggest that they are part of any police force, that if they are pulled over, that if they are confronted by policemen in other areas because of their black skin, they're going to get treated like the regular nigga that they think the rest of us are. And I need y'all black folk who are caping for these blue lives to really understand that I have family who's a part of the police force. I have an uncle who died in the middle of protecting citizens. So I understand and I respect the office of police officers. But what I also understand is the human decency that goes with policing. And how can you protect the neighborhood when you are afraid of the neighborhood that you are protecting and you are supposed to be serving? So while you may be trained to kill and all these other type of things, deadly force is not necessary in the majority of these situations that you find yourself in. You always talk about how you're threatened. How are you threatened when this man is going to get in the car? How are you threatened when it's two against one? How are you threatened when you shoot him from the back? These are the excuses that you pull up Every single time you want to justify the killing of a black life. And unfortunately, it seems like these police officers are going to get off, but it does. But I'm I'm not taking that level of pessimism. I'm going to change that narrative and we need to keep fighting. I know that things start to get a little bit normal, whatever normal is after George Floyd, things are kind of calmed down. But what I want you to understand that this is not the opportunity for us to be passive. This is not the opportunity for us to put our th- to put our signs down and to silence our efforts. This is the opportunity to use our platform. This is why forever I will use this platform to support and to push the agenda that black lives do matter and to understand that there should be no peace until there is a sense of equity in these United States, in these streets. You understand me? This is why voting is important. This is why we need to involve ourselves in national politics. For those who think their politics does not affect them. These are the reasons why we need to understand that while you may have issues with Joe Biden, that it is not time for you to be pointing out the issues that he has. You need to understand that he is the better candidate, good, bad or indifferent. And it will be a way for us, like I said earlier, to hold him accountable to the office that he sits in, even with Kamala Harris, to hold her accountable to the office in which she sits in and that entire administration. Again, you got to know that when you vote for Joe Biden, you're not just voting for him, but you're voting for a new attorney general. You're voting for um, a new HUD secretary. You're voting for a new secretary of education. All of these, the secretary of treasury, all of these different types of really major positions. There are Supreme Court seats that are up and that will be, you know, expiring soon. Like, right, you know, well, not expiring soon, but like some older people who could be retiring or God forbid it could die early, right? Like these are the type of things that we must take into consideration. And with um, another four years of Donald Trump, we're going to have an entire dumb 
asinine, incapable administration who is not able to lead this country forward in ways that is going to be necessary for the advancement of black and brown folk. So it really bothers me when I see all these black folk at the Republican convention out here doing what they're doing to advance this cause. Like other than some of the tax breaks, how is supporting Donald Trump benefiting you? Like for real, for real, explain that to me because none of you have had not had a good answer other than to say the media is lying about Donald Trump. Okay, so after you're done telling me how the media is lying, then tell me the ways in which he has supported you. Tell me the ways in which he has advanced your household. Tell me, um, um, tell me, uh, good brother Jenkins, how has he advanced any of your causes and supported your family? Tell me that because you can't. That's why you don't have an answer because you can't adequately tell me. All thing that you can do is be loud and to show that you are a, a black person that happens to be a black face, um, you know, doing what you do to support this racist idiot. But I want you to understand that, you know, what I'm saying there's probably a reckoning coming and y'all are going to hear us. Y'all are going to feel us and you are going to soon understand us. And it is not OK for you to keep ignoring a distressed and an oppressed people. Because a lot of us are tired of being silent. A lot of us are tired of just marching and things like that. And I am not discrediting anything that our forefathers have done. But I can almost assure you, you're going to see a bunch of more people with the same sentiments and the values of the Black Panther Party, right? And the Mal and, 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 and Malcolm X with those kind of philosophical views. Those people are rising up and they're getting really tired. And we're going to start fighting back. So Justice needs to be served, but everything that's happening around her right now is not giving me any real optimism on how that's going to happen. So anyway, that's that. I don't want to keep bringing myself down talking about that, but something has to change, y'all. And I'm tired. As a black man, I'm tired. As a human being, I'm tired. I'm just tired. As a father, I'm tired. As a husband, I'm tired. I'm tired, man. I am exhausted of this conversation and this topic. But. That's neither here nor I mean, it is here and there, right? I don't want to say it's neither here nor there, but I'm tired. And I'm sure many of you are too. So uh, that wraps up another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for rocking with us. We are on episode, oh my God, episode, are you ready? Episode 14. We've done this 14 weeks and over the last couple of weeks, We've dropped a couple of Sunday school episodes and we got another one coming this Sunday that I'm super excited about. We're going to advance and continue the conversation surrounding um, mental health and self-care, but specifically in the context of the church and Christianity. So I'm super excited about that conversation. I have one of my really great childhood friends. She's going to come on, Caitlin Johnson, and do her thing um, this coming Sunday in the um, in the living room as we talk about, you know, we do our faith series there about that. So super excited about that. So thank you for supporting. Thank you for supporting Sunday School. Now, last week, I told y'all by way of announcement as we get ready to wrap up that we were adding a co-host to the podcast. I am so excited for a number of reasons. One of them being that it is one of my closest friends, one of my very best friends and my brother. Um, so there is a level of camaraderie and fun and conversation and perspective that's going to happen here. And then on top of that, it just takes 
some of the burden off me to produce and to be creative um, by myself in my lonesome, right? Um, and as much as I love talking to y'all, and as I say, talking to the air sometimes and imagining y'all sitting in front of me in my living room as I, rec- as I record, uh, it is really going to be dope to have another voice and another set of perspective. One that I think you're going to appreciate, one that I think that you are familiar with. Um, and I told y'all I would tell you first before I do it on social media. So if you're listening to this, I hope that you're listening to it in the morning because I am going to announce it on social media later in the afternoon, but the brand new co-host of the Jigsaw podcast will be, he was on uh, his first episode was um, Holy Macadandy, Living Out Loud in Your Blackness. His second episode was Daddy Issues as we talked about the fatherhood, black fatherhood, and the most recent episode that he was on was um, Love and Happiness, where we discussed the state of R&B. It is none other than my brother, my friend, my homeboy for life, Brian Allen Hare from Pomona, California. I'm super excited. He's going to join us on September 10th. 2020 and an episode that's going to be super fun. I'm not going to give you all the details of the episode. We're going to bring him in in in, in an amazing way. So look out for social media for all the announcements. Help me share it. Help me plug it. Help me announce it. Help me spread the word that the Jigsaw is going to expand. And also just keep listening and supporting. I really want to thank y'all for all the love that you've shown to the podcast over these last 14 weeks. I could not have done any of this without you all. And actually producing this podcast is one of those pockets of joys that I was talking about that I found Um over the over, over these few months as I've navigated this very interesting time of quarantine and corona and everything like that. All right. So I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Be sure to follow me personally at I am Josh Rogers on Instagram. And I want y'all to start, go ahead and follow and bombard our new co-host, Brian. You can follow him on Instagram at I I am Brian Hare. Um, you can follow him there. And then make sure you start showing him love and congratulating him um, about what he's going to bring and perspective that he has for the podcast. And on top of that, follow us at um, the Jigsaw Podcast on Instagram. You can email us and contact us at the Jigsaw Podcast at gmail.com. And I think that is a wrap. All right. So as crazy as life is, don't let it stress you out. Do what you can while you can um, the very best way that you can. But in the midst of all of that, do not get caught with your work undone. I'll see y'all next week. Love y'all. That's a wrap.